Hello everyone. Today is the first of our two Make a Difference Sundays. Make a Difference is the missional arm of our church where we want to help people locally, nationally and internationally. And today we're going to be looking at some scripture. We're going to be looking at the feeding of the 5,000, which is a story of multiplication. The word multiply has been a part of our journey throughout the year. And we firmly believe that when we put something in the hands of Jesus and pray, he multiplies it and he can feed many. And that's the story we're looking at. There was a boy that brought a small amount of food, but he brought what he had. And as he gave it to Jesus, Jesus blessed it. And then the disciples distributed that food in order that it not only fed well over 5,000 people, but there were basketfuls left over. And we want to use this story of a principle of what we'd like to see over these two Sundays. Next Sunday, we're going to bring our offerings and our giving. We want to give what we have into the hands of Jesus. We want his blessing upon it. And through our giving next Sunday, we would love the whole thing to multiply. And my belief is we can go beyond anything we have done in the past. God bless you. Thank you for your investment in the life of the church and for your investment in to make a difference. God bless. So before we welcome Stuart, I just feel that we need to pray that, we, that God will bless his words, that he will multiply them and they will make a difference in our lives. Amen. Stuart. Great. Well, what an honor to be here. And it was a, a lovely drive yesterday. It rained all day in Lincoln and it, it's been sunny all the way here. So uh, it's great to be with you. I'm highly honored to be here. Don't take it for granted. And um, you may have noticed, unfortunately, I'm wearing the same jacket as I did there. But the shirt, the shirt was different. I noticed that. So I want us to turn in our Bibles to John chapter 6. Familiar words, one of my favorite stories in the New Testament, and it's found in each of the Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 is found in each of the Gospels because I think it's a very, very important um, story that illustrates so much about the kingdom of God. It is, of course, illustrating that we bring our small to God. He takes it, and as we all do that, Transformation and multiplication takes place. So here is our reading today. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. 
Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended, intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Well-known, familiar story, but it's a great story for these two weeks. We're going to be in two weeks of Make a Difference. This is our opportunity as a church to put into practice the mission alarm, if you like, the reaching out part of our church. And we do that across all of our locations. And we think it's very helpful to have the three elements of local, so things that are really important to you in your setting, and we'll hear some stories about what's happening in Wyndham and area. The local, the national, we love to champion Bethel. I, I, I know that perhaps some of you have not uh, been that close to Bethel, but Bethel has been in existence for a number of years. It's in um, well over 30 nations in the world, actually. It's, uh, it's grown incredibly. And what it is, is a church planting organization that basically is there to see people who are in addictions, usually with drug addiction, come out of addiction, and then they get into the church life and community life. And I've known of Bethel for around 30 years. Some of my best friends are involved in it. And uh, there are five or six centers across, across the UK. One of those is in Nottingham. And from Nottingham, if you've ever visited our church in Lincoln, we have a great cafe which is run totally by ex-addicts. They're wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, I really champion this because they are usually number one on TripAdvisor, both for the city and for, the, uh, for Lincolnshire, which is a fabulous thing. I mean, the food's great. But their whole attitude is great. And um, yesterday I popped in. It was pouring with rain. People were queuing to get in yesterday. It's a great, great thing. And so we feel really liberated to say that nationally we want to commit ourselves to the ongoing work of Betel. They don't have any government help, though they are getting recognized by government. And so there was a royal party last year, went to Birmingham, and, uh, you know, saw what was being done. And actually, there was a, a brochure brought out by the government about good practice in the UK in terms of, you know, outgoing, helping the needy and the poor and the addicted. And Bethel figures in that publication as one of the best practices uh, in the country. So we're really comfortable to champion it so when, hopefully, you give next week, there will be an element that goes to the local uh, and the things that you're involved in. There will be a part that goes into Bethel to help with that. And then we're also really pleased to announce that we are partnering with Tear Fund. Um, some of you may know we did that for three years into Cambodia. Irish and I went and saw what was happening, church planting, great things happening in Cambodia. Uh, where trafficking was being dealt with, etc. We had a three-year push into that, partnering with World Vision and Tear Fund, and now we're starting a new thing, 
with TF Undergain into Ethiopia. And we're partnering with, and you'll hear a story about this later, but we're partnering with a great church uh, in Ethiopia, thousands of people actually, but there's a tremendous need among the poor, and, uh, and we want to make our contribution there. Uh, so those three things are what we're going to be looking at. So the Vision of Alive is a church readily working in partnership with other churches and ministries for the advancement of the kingdom of God. We want to be a church with a heart for the poor and for the marginalized and for those that have no voice, and we want to see people transformed. We want local areas to be transformed. We want our nation to be changed. And if there's ever a need for our nation to have a word from God or a church that begins to raise its head above the ground, it is today, isn't it? As there seems to be so much deadlock uh, at governmental level. We believe the church is the hope for the world and should be the catalyst for individual and personal transformation. And it's our aspiration that wherever a live church is present or has an influence through partnership with the local church, that people will be empowered to create a culture that eliminates poverty in all of its forms. And people will be championed to create a thriving community inside and outside of the church. And so last year in our Make a Difference program, through partnerships internationally, nationally and locally, we've seen some transformation stories take place. And this Sunday we'll tell one or two of those stories, certainly locally. We also want to share something about the Ethiopia project. So I really hope and pray that Wyndham will consider next week, we, we have two uh, offerings throughout the year. One is called Make a Difference, which is towards mission. We really focus that on the poor and the needy. And the other is Rise and Build, where we give towards the fabric of church buildings and, and so on. This is the one where, where we are giving in mission. And I do believe that if all of us can come with an offering that has a measure of, of sacrifice within it, then we can see many things take place. So prepare for next week to have a great offering. Now as we go through here, uh, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, I just want to emphasize some very simple things. And the first thing that you find in this story that's highlighted and spoken of every time the story is read is the boy, the boy. <laughs> we don't know his name. We don't know how old he was. He's just, here's a boy with lunch, and yet he finds himself in the Holy Book, in the Bible. And um, Jesus is kind of testing the disciples. Uh, there's a huge crowd uh, Jesus is speaking to, and it's getting close to the end of the day. And he goes to Philip and says, you know, what we're going to do, Philip? And uh, how can we feed all of these people? And of course, naturally speaking, if you'd been Philip, you'd have thought, we have a logistical problem, Lord. There's no way we're going to be able to feed 5,000. But Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And then from the sidelines, someone comes and says, however, we do have a boy with a packed lunch. Now, that's kind of humorous, isn't it? 5,000 plus, in fact, it was just 5,000 men plus the women and children. Huge, huge crowd. And the disciple has a spark of inspiration. Here's a young boy, and he's brought his lunch. And yet, 
There was something very wonderful about that moment because that was the trigger for Jesus to emphasize something very wonderful about how kingdom dynamics really work. You see, I think that when we talk kingdom and God's principles, it's almost as though everything is turned upside down, in a kind of an upside-down way. So if I'd been there, I'd have said, you know, is there by chance a millionaire in, in the crowd that could possibly pay for all the food that we'll need for 5,000? We would tend to go the natural way. And can I just have a sideline here? When we go for big offerings, that tends to be how we naturally think. I wonder if there's someone who's really rich that could put thousands of people into this so that we could feed the poor. You know, and we kind of think, some years ago, uh, a prophecy was given to me, and it was this, the millionaires are at the door. I was thinking, what a great prophecy. The millionaires are at the door. Problem is, I'm still waiting them to go through the door (laughs) with anything. And it is true that uh, in the last few years, I've connected with five or six multi-millionaires and talked about the things that we're doing. None of them have yet come through the door. But I do believe prophetically, yes, there is resource with those that have it. But usually speaking, Jesus takes the least, takes someone that has very little, and that's the principle of giving. It's not to do with rich people coughing up, because my experience is, They usually don't. Some do, of course, and are very generous. But usually speaking, it's to do with the boy, the least, just offering what they have. Isaiah 61 says, The poor rebuilt the ancient ruins and restore the cities. Jesus says in Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. And I put it to you that when we're talking about the things that we need to give to, we all have something to contribute. How can we be more like the boy, giving what we can? What do we have that we can bring and do? And and sometimes we get this scarcity thinking, don't we? If I give what I've got, I won't have anything left. And kingdom always has to do with giving to God, trusting him, having faith in him. And so I believe this this Bible story rightly pinpoints the boy, the boy. And maybe we could just uh, pause there a little and just say, as we all think of next, next week and giving, how often do we come and say, well, if you're thinking of Ethiopia, what could I possibly do? You know, if you're thinking even of the local needs across Wyndham, what could I possibly do? Even in the praying today, as we think about all the needs across Wyndham, what could we possibly do? And I want to take us to this story and say there's something we can do. There really is something we can do. And the thing is, it's not then the lunch that sorts the issue, is it? It's Jesus who sorts the issue, which takes me to the second point, which is the need, the need. You see, in this story, Jesus is interested in practical needs as well as spiritual. It's very clear there. He's not just talking to them about kingdom principles. They live on the earth and they need food. And 
Jesus is interested in that. And I think increasingly we have to have what I would call a holistic approach to the whole thing of what poverty is. You know, when we talk about the poor and the needy and we talk about poverty, we always think of financial poverty. But actually, I think that there's a, all, there are all kinds of poverty that the church can speak into. And I think poverty often is to do with broken relationships. And I believe that all of us were intended by God to have certain relationships. We should have a relationship with God. This should be our prime relationship, which brings wholeness. I believe that there's spiritual poverty in our in our world, isn't it? People not knowing God, not knowing Christ, that's poverty. Poverty of, of spirit, not having a knowledge of the Creator God, relationship with God. The second relationship that's important is relationship with self. So many people have low self-worth and um, feel, I can't achieve anything, I can't do anything. We have inherent value and dignity because we're created in God's image. And therefore, poverty can be something that an individual can fight with. Thinking, I'm no good. I have nothing to contribute. I'm not clever. I don't have ability. Relationship with God, relationship with self. And what we're thinking of primarily next week is relationship with others. We, we are made to know one another, to love one another, and to encourage one another that's why I love church, fellowship, being together. And also, I believe there's a relationship that lots are talking about today that I would stand with, relationship with the rest of creation. We're called to be stewards of creation, to be able to sustain ourselves through work, to have purpose and to contribute to the world. And so when we talk about poverty, I don't think it's just we've got no resource or no money. I think poverty has to do with who we are, made in the image of, of God, and how we relate with ourselves, with others, and with our world. The need is huge, isn't it? But I believe we need a holistic approach to it, body, soul, and spirit. And we as the church, I believe, can be ahead of the game on this. We want to see people's lives put back together. There are so many people that are... Um, are finding in their own lives it difficult to, uh, to make ends meet, yes. Uh, difficult to know what the future will hold. Um, there are a tremendous lot of younger people that are struggling with areas of depression and darkness and self-harming. I, as I go around and preach, I would, I would never have thought I would be talking to people with the sort of issues that now I find on a regular basis. And we just had a prayer time last Sunday, actually. We had a crowd in. We had a worship encounter night. And we give space there for praying for people with needs. And there was a word of knowledge about self-harm. And the number of people that came for prayer with self-harm, scars on their arms, was huge. Members of our church who need some help. And so when we're talking about make a difference, we're not just talking about an offering to help Poverty in terms of need financially. We're talking about giving to this thing that God has given us, life in all of its fullness. So the boy, the need. The need is huge, isn't it? it the need is huge, and that's a little bit of a problem, and that's why we've chosen this story. 
Imagine if there's 5,000 people to feed, what could a lunch possibly do? What could that contribution be? But the third thing is this, the boy, the need, number three, the rescuer, the rescuer. Now, as good as that boy was, I don't think he was the rescuer. (laughs) He just gave what he had. The rescuer was Jesus, wasn't it, in the story? Jesus asked the disciples to feed the people, but they wanted to send the people away to feed themselves. And when Jesus insisted, they didn't feel they could afford to buy everyone food. But Jesus in this story is the rescuer, not us, not our ability, not our giving. He calls us to be sacrificial and invites us to be involved with him and to enter into other people's stories. And as we, in our giving, enter into the story with others, we introduce them to Jesus as the wonderful saviour that he is. Jesus is the saviour. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the one who feeds the poor. And sometimes we think, well, we're doing some good (laughs) But actually, we're just bringing the small thing that we have and we're placing it in the hands of Jesus. And Jesus, in this story, gives thanks. He blesses the bread. And you'll you'll see that Jesus does this on a number of occasions. He breaks the bread. And there is that picture and illustration of sacrifice. He breaks the bread. And then the disciples distribute the bread. And this is the wonder of, of the miracle Jesus didn't just miraculously say, open your hands and there'll be bread and fish. He allowed cooperation of a young boy to bring what he had, and therefore that miracle would not have happened without that little boy bringing what he had. And so I say, could, could Jesus sort out the problems we're talking about locally, nationally, internationally? Of course he could. But it takes us, in cooperation with him, to bring what we have so that the vision can be met. And that's how God works. Which leads me to my fourth thing, and then we're going to have some stories. The boy, the need, the rescuer. But the beauty of this fourth point is what we've been living with for over a year now, multiplication. Multiplication. You see, the boy brings the bread and the fish, and then Jesus takes it, gives thanks, blesses it, breaks it. And as the distribution takes place, the miracle happens. And it's one of multiplication. Everybody gets something. And, and I, I love also that there's always this picture of abundance and beyond. I can imagine, you know, when the 12 basketfuls I collected up at the end, you could have had the Pharisees twittering on the edges saying, look at all this waste. (laughs) But God is God. He is the creator of all things. And kingdom principles are always multiplication. It's always pressed down, shaken together, running over. The extravagance of God. Right the way through the Gospels, worship is always extravagant. So there's a woman that, um, you know, comes and weeps and washes his feet with the hair and uh, she breaks the alabaster box. Yeah, religious people on the edge. What a waste. What a waste. But for anybody that knows worship, then there has to be something that is beyond the natural. 
that flows from us in thanksgiving and, and praise. And I believe that in this story, imagine the, the kind of fuss as the disciples go, and they'd be amazed, wouldn't they? Just keep giving, keep giving, keep giving. Oh, there's more. Keep giving, keep giving. And, and everybody gets some. And then Jesus, just to illustrate what the Father is like, after everybody's eaten and it says, and be satisfied. I'm looking for a day when everybody in church is, eats and is satisfied. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? No complaints. And so at the end, everybody was satisfied. And then Jesus, just to illustrate the whole thing, says, right, now pick up the bits. You'd have thought if you'd had a miracle, you could make sure all the bread got in your mouth, wouldn't you? But there's, it's all, you know, there's all bits everywhere and the disciples are picking it up and illustrating that God always gives beyond, beyond. And so as we come in these two weeks to think about how can we contribute, what I don't want you to take from this is, oh, I'll just bring a little, <laughs> you know. Because actually for that boy, it was quite a lot. It's not the amount, it's the issue of sacrifice. And for some, my prayer is there may be a millionaire that will begin to put in huge amounts. But actually, that's not the issue. The issue is all of us sacrificially giving because we believe in this vision. And as we do so, we place it in the hands of Jesus and we do some fantastic things. I had the joy, as I said, of going to Cambodia and I saw where our money investment went. And, you know, they were, they were talking in terms of thousands of planted small groups that were helping alleviate poverty in village after village after village. And the beauty with Tear Fund is it's all, you know exactly what you've done and what you've achieved. And those things have been very wonderful uh, last year. And my prayer is that we'll be able to achieve some great things uh, in the year ahead. There are addicts that will, this time next year, not be addicts, who are being looked after because you give next week. There will be children whose poverty will be alleviated in so many ways. Uh, people involved in tra being trafficked that, that will be out of that because of what you give next week. And also, and you know the stories on the ground uh, that you're doing, if you give to the local, the national, and the international, and you do it with a great heart, then our prayer at the end of this will be, Lord, will you please take the small that we can bring, because even the big is small compared to what God can do, and bless it and multiply it. So... Uh, Steve, would you come and just share one story? This is about the Ethiopia story, which gives you an idea of how multiplication can take place in an area of poverty. And this is a story that, that Steve will read. And then can I invite the three uh, projects and people locally to come one after another uh, to share the stories? And then I will just pray at the end that God will bless that which we bring. Thank you. Great. This is a story uh, about a man who's got the greatest name in the world, Desi Shalom, uh, who's described as the famous avocado seller. Desi Shalom smiles as he announces himself as the famous avocado seller in Yergelen. The rest of the self-help group laugh as he cheekily boasts about his status in the busy marketplace town. 
We sat together in Dieta local church, one of the Kale Howett churches. Kale Howett apparently means word of life. It's the largest evangelical denomination in Ethiopia. It's warm outside, but we can feel a burst of rain is threatening to muddy the roads. The church hall, brightly painted with geometric shapes, is being replaced by a new, larger hall, the frame of which is literally being built around the outside of the existing building. One day, when we've finished, we'll knock this old one down and we'll carry the bricks out of the front door, the pastor tells us. Desi scratches his chin. He's remembering how he earned this title. I used to be a daily labourer, he recalls. I would work all day long for an avocado farmer, climbing his trees and picking his fruit. There are avocado trees growing beside the church, among the bananas, mangoes and coffee beans. He sighs. The maximum pay after working all day was 15 burr. That's about 40 pence. Dieta Local Church first set up a self-help group in 2013. Kale Howett Church, through its partnership with Tia Fund, has set up thousands around Ethiopia, each are run by local churches like this one. The idea is simple. Groups of around 20 people meet weekly. They share news and help to solve each other's problems while saving together. Members, once they have saved for a while, can apply to take a loan from the group's savings. And many people use their loans to help to start their own businesses. At first, we were suspicious and didn't trust the people who were telling us to save. We thought they might take our money from us, says one of the men in the community. Their suspicions stem from their experience of having to rely on local loan sharks before the self-help groups existed. They would lend them money and then charge them extortionate interest, even if people needed to borrow money to see a doctor. Desi, along with others, put their trust in the idea. They formed a self-help group called Growth in Unity. I started to save five burr each week. After a couple of years, I had saved 500 burr, he says proudly. I put in a proposal to the group to take out a loan which I used to buy crates of the avocados from the farmer myself. I took them down to the market where I had a go at selling them and I began to make a profit. I was able to start buying more avocados as well as repaying my loan. Loans are repaid with a small amount of interest which stays in the community to help pay for when people are sick or have a need. After a while, I was able to start sending avocados on the bus to be sold in other towns like Hoasa, the main town in the district. Now I have my own avocado farm and also a coffee farm. I have labourers working for me. I've even constructed a house in this area. Desi takes us for a stroll outside the church, and the group laugh again as he climbs the nearest avocado tree to show us how he used to do it. We look at the partially constructed frame of the future church hall, which surround the older building. Now, I'm able to contribute to the church here too, he adds. 
the self-help group has not only changed me and my family, but the whole community. In this area, over 400 people have joined the local churches since the self-help groups began. You see, through a live church's new partnership with Tear Fund and the Kale Hewitt Church, we will help to plant 400 new self-help groups, which will truly empower people like Desi to lift themselves out of poverty and create a new future for their whole communities. Yeah. Thank you. That is a fantastic story, isn't it? Fantastic story. It's measurable, so we will aim to help 400 of these groups, and you've heard a testimony from one. The amounts are so small that people actually are able to give. It's like the packed lunch. But as everybody does that, and then with some leadership, um, they you know, are able to get loans uh, to, to do what they need to do. Uh, everything lifts. So what we're talking about, and the beauty of this is, when I say it's not just helping poor people, if you understand, it's bringing people also to faith in Christ because then churches are taking on these self-help groups and more and more people are finding faith. And uh, it's really that holistic approach. People are being blessed physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Okay, so let's have three stories. Who should we go for first? Great, thank you. Right, good morning, everyone. So you're going to hear from myself this morning, the lovely Daphne and the awesome Mike, who are going to share a little bit about um, what we invest to locally in our community through Make a Difference and in our church. So um, I'm going to ask Daphne to come up and share about butterflies um, and the amazing impact that her and Beth and the team are having. Well, as many of you know, we've relaunched Butterflies earlier this month, um, myself and Beth, and we have an amazing team of ladies who help run it. Our aim was to take Butterflies back to uh, making the ladies feel special. We wanted to serve them. We want to make a difference to their lives. So we've gone back to having... Um, I felt God was telling me to take it right back, so we, we have tables with pretty tablecloths and flowers on the table. We have bone china tea sets. Yeah. The ladies are greeted when they come in, and they're seated, and then we serve them. We take the tea and coffee and homemade scones, which I get up at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning to make. <laughs> and um, it was quite a buzz. The numbers had gone down before in Butterflies, and this time we had 24 on the first time. We have music playing in the background, and the aim is to try and have a feature each month where we'll have a demonstration or something that they can get involved in. Um, we suggested last time about them bringing in photographs of their past so we can all get to know them better. And I believe one lady has even come to the church since the first butterfly. So our aim is to make a difference to these ladies' lives. It could be the only time they see somebody and they feel loved and in a family environment. And I can't thank the ladies who come and help enough because we couldn't do it without the team we have. So thank you, ladies, and thank you, Beth. Um, 
Um, we know how important Butterflies is to our community locally, and um, when we decided to move Butterflies from its old location to the Tiffy Room, we really felt it was important that God, that's what God wanted us to do, to enable the ladies to feel comfortable and relaxed and in an environment where they feel safe, so that the next step to come to church was just across the room really um, and so we have seen that happen and um, we know that other communities other projects within Wyndham are now wanting to get involved and we've just been approached by Waitrose who would like to offer some funding so we can hold a Christmas feast um, for the ladies and so that's we're looking at so it's really exciting um, how and what an important project it is within Wyndham so I'm going to invite Mike up and he's going to share um, about some prison ministry that we sew into here in Norfolk as well um, and the difference that's making in their lives thanks very much uh, I'm here to talk about the Kairos prison ministry uh, most of you will know that I returned just over a week ago from five days in prison. Uh, Karos is a Greek word. It, thank you. Yeah, I, they let me out. Uh, Karos is a, a Greek word which means the right time. The right time. And it's the right time for the men. This started in the USA and it's now in three prisons in the UK. I helped to lead a team of 22 men and women uh, from age of 23 years to over 80. So any of us can be involved in this. Two from a live church in Grantham. Uh, so uh, there were three of us from a live churches in this team of 22. We met daily with 22 uh, prisoners. They were mainly young. We had to be up at 5.30 uh, to be there for 8 o'clock. We were with them from 8 in the morning till 6 at night. Uh, and, and we ate with them as well. And so we were able to actually affect their lives quite uh, uh, amazingly, because it, we weren't just coming and going. We were seeing them and making relationships with them. We had talks, discussion. Uh, my role was leading some worship and singing as well. We ate with them as well. Let me tell you some stories of just about them. First of all, Jason. 18 months ago, uh, that's the last time I was there, and I led a team there. This Jason came in. He was young. He was thin. He was stooped. He was weeping, and he was an absolute mess. Uh, I didn't think that he would even stick with the, with the week, but he stayed, and during the week, his head came up, his crying stopped. He started to smile, and one felt that one had just left something that was good. Now, 18 months later, uh, he walked in to say goodbye to the men because he was leaving that week to go to a Cat D prison, which is what they go to from a Cat Category C prison before they're going to uh, be released. I couldn't believe my eyes. He had put on about two stone, at least. He, 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 he was a big uh, man. I don't mean he was overweight. I just mean that he was the right weight. Uh, he was smiling. Uh, he, he came and greeted all the men there. And I learned gradually that he'd become one of the most popular men in the prison, that he had become a listener, that he had become a helper, and that he was a much-loved person. And there was much weeping as he went around saying goodbye to each of them, and, and indeed to us, because we remembered him from the year before. And so he is going on to another prison. He was confident. He was full of Jesus. And he was just doing the stuff. That was an amazing start. This was on the first day, by the way, that we went in because he was then leaving that week. And then uh, just the e an email 
uh, that I got that just explains about uh, the, the guys who were on this team that I was on, uh, the, the prisoners I'm talking about. Uh, this was uh, an email from someone who went in to the prison for their uh, service on the following Sunday. Just to pass on to you some of the initial fruits of Karos uh, as witnessed at this morning's chapel service. Twelve of the Karos men attended with at least a couple missing for legitimate reasons, work duties and so forth. There were many other men there who did not attend the Karos course but who could see and hear the impact of the Karos week and the evidence of God working in their fellow inmates' lives. Tim, the chaplain, asked Lloyd, I remember Lloyd, to speak from the front, and he gave an amazing testimony to how God met with him on Friday and how from now on he was surrendering to Christ. He reiterated several times that Christ was real and that his life was now about following God's lead and not his own plans. I cannot begin to capture Lloyd's passion and authenticity, but following my conversation with him afterwards, I can confirm with absolute conviction that God has done an amazing work in this man's life, and this is just the beginning. Charlie led the intercessions, uh, I remember Charlie, taking them directly from the Freedom Guide, that's one of the uh, little booklets that we had during the week, and beginning by saying, "'Good morning to my brothers and sisters.'" He wasn't saying that at the beginning of this, (laughs) the week, I can tell you. Duane said to me uh, that he is still up on the mountain and has woken each morning with a huge sense of joy. He cannot stop smiling. Mm. This guy is locked up in a cell every day and he cannot stop smiling. That challenges me no end. Tony said that he and Ben and a couple of others had met already on their wing for prayer and mutual support. Tony was actually more focused than I have ever seen him. He was telling a non-Karos inmate that he had stood up and spoken in front of everyone. When his fellow inmate expressed surprise, Tony replied, Oh, but it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So lovely stories of what uh, can happen in prison. God is at work in prison. And if you remember, Jesus said, when you visit someone in prison, you visit me. And I found that that was true because I found the presence of Jesus there to be greater than usually even when we meet together here. So can I ask you to get involved? Uh, It costs £200 per person to go in. And so that's what uh, this mad offering is offering. It, it, It offered for one person to go in. And why don't you come in and get involved and come on the team next year? Thank you. Great. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> so encouraging. So locally, this is what we're sewing into as part of our Make a Difference offering. Um, I get to share a little bit about a project that is close to our hearts, which we've been involved with for the last few years, which, of course, is Operation Christmas Child, a project which our children have been involved with. It's allowed us to um, introduce them into mission and what mission is, Um, knowing about other children around the world who are less fortunate than them. But the project locally also has given all of you an opportunity to be a part of through whether you've given a notebook, a pen, a bar of soap, sat and knitted 70 hats, 
Um, it's given you all the opportunity to be involved locally. It creates identity. Tomorrow we're going to be with the Butterflies ladies who are also going to be sewing into shoe boxes because um, it just gives you to be part of something that is bigger than you are. And this year our children here and across the Alive locations were blessed to take part in the 12 Lesson Bible program that the children do. And three of our children made reported decisions in Alive to follow Jesus through that. And so on the 17th of November we're going to be packing our shoe boxes here in church and in kids and you're welcome to come and pack a box if you want and it's really hard to share one story out of two million children who gave their lives to Jesus last year through shoe boxes Um, and just one that I will just share with you is about a young girl who her life was transformed she received a shoe box she felt loved it gave her a sense of identity and purpose And over time, she gave her life to Jesus through uh, The Greatest Journey. She brought her mother to faith, her father to faith, who was miraculously healed then in hospital through prayer. Her family members who were not Christians started to persecute and put pressure on her and her family and why they had given their lives um, to Jesus. And that young girl said, let me speak. Let me speak to them. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, she brought 50 other members of her family to come to wow. know Jesus. And all of them are now serving in their church, um, which is just phenomenal. And that is the power of what we can do, how we can multiply our offering, how we can bring God's kingdom into earth through what we do through Make a Difference. I was blessed to go to Cambodia as well a few years ago with uh, Dan and the team and that. And I've seen the work that we do um, with Tear Fund And it is such a blessing for us to be able to sow into stuff that you can't see. You're not always going to be able to see it. But God knows what we're doing, and you will be blessed for it. So thank you very much. Great. Thank you. Wonderful. They're all great stories, aren't they? And so can I encourage you to take one of these leaflets? And you'll notice that we put targets in for each of the locations And uh, I noticed that your target for next Sunday is £3,685. That's a target based on certain specific things that you'd like to give to. And um, I think it'd be a great achievement if you uh, go for that. And sometimes when we hear thousands, we, we think, you know, it's a long way away from what we could do. But I want to encourage us all, and we're going to pray together, that what you can do as an individual, placed together with everyone else's contribution, placed before God, can achieve far more than you can uh, realize. And I do believe that there's a multiplication that takes place as we pray together. And I want to encourage you to to really seriously think, rather than just put, you know, some, some money in an offering, but to prayerfully think, what could I do? And if you can, to add some kind of just sacrificial issue to that. We often have talked to our student population, you know, in Lincoln about giving to mission, and they normally say, well, we have no money. Uh, And we just uh, have to think of some creative ways. Yeah, but you do go for the Starbucks, and you do go for this, and you do that. And just with a little bit of planning and thought, uh, there's that element of sacrifice. And uh, so I want to pray that you get not only that 3,000 plus, but plus plus, so that there's that extravagance of the kingdom. And, and that relies on God, yes, but in cooperation with all of us as we bring what we have. But before I pray that prayer, uh, everything we do is about 
uh, that poverty of spirit about the need for every one of us to know God. And our church, the reason we do church is because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He's died that we might live. He's resurrected from the dead that we can enjoy life in its fullness. And every time in an alive service, we try to pray a prayer that opens a door. It's like a an opening, a starter, if you like, into the Christian faith. And very often people receive Christ on a Sunday as we gather. And so I don't want to assume that everybody here is following Jesus. For some, you might want to um, make a decision today to say, I want Jesus to be at the center of uh, my life. And so um, it may be there's one or two here that need to pray this prayer. So if we could have it on the screen what I'd like us to do is pray this prayer together and then I'm going to invite us to just close our eyes and if there's anyone who wants to respond in faith to receive Jesus as their own personal friend and savior for the first time, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and do that for two reasons. Firstly, you'll know you've done something but secondly, it allows us just to get a booklet into your hand that will explain. It's just the first step but it's a very, very important step. He's only a prayer away. So let's pray this together, shall we? Let's speak it out loud. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Many ways, all of us pray in that, renew our commitments. But it may be there's one or two people here and you're saying, I really need to do this. I want to follow Jesus. You may not understand it all. You may be a part of this group and have never really come to a personal faith. So if you've prayed this prayer in a meaningful way this morning, I wonder if you'd just raise your hand just very quickly. I'm not going to embarrass you or expose you. This is between you and God. But you're saying, I really want to follow Jesus. I want him to be number one in my life. Just express that by raising your hand. Wonderful, thank you. And I'd love us, if you don't mind, to stand to our feet. I'd love us to pray a prayer of faith for our offering next week. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for this Wyndham location. I thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for these local projects. We also thank you for, for Bethel and for this Ethiopia project. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus and we agree together that as we bring what we can next week in this offering, this Make a Difference offering, I pray, Lord, that there'll be resources that will bless locally, nationally, and internationally, and that we will be surprised as we bring what we have. I pray that the target that's set will be hit and beyond. And I pray that all of these things that we've spoken of that we'll be able to see poverty alleviated and lives transformed in the name of Jesus Christ and for his glory. If you agree, say amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you.